We're going to look at John chapter 7. Verses 25 through 52. Hope you were able to enjoy the fantastic weather yesterday. Today it's nice too. It's kind of drizzling a little bit. Um, I guess that's why we're inside. Is he the Christ? The title of the sermon, Is he the Christ? John chapter 7, verses 25 all the way to the end of the chapter in verse 52. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this time we can look at your word and be nourished by it. We pray for your spirit to take the word of God and minister it to our hearts. Help us to understand. Help us to receive and embrace the word of God in a way that will bring transformation in our hearts according to your plan your will we depend on you uh, strengthen your people we ask through your word in Jesus name we pray amen okay, so this passage continues um, the context of it is uh, it's still the middle of the feast of the the feast of boots or feast of tabernacles um, and Jesus is still teaching at the temple. And we saw last week that in the among the people, there was a lot of skepticism, a lot of unbelief, questions about who Jesus is. And that continues here in this passage, causing people to ask the question, is he the Christ? And, and that's going to come up in this passage. Is he the Christ? And so um, as people are confused, they're, they're wondering... Jesus, in a series of things that he says, now reveals a few things to them about himself so that people can know uh, who he is. Is he the Christ? First, Jesus comes from the Father. Jesus comes from the Father. Verse 25, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is, speaking openly. and They say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? So again, uncertainty, doubt among the people. And it even brings them to some people, brings them to ask this question, is he the Christ? Can it be that this is really the Christ? Um, but for some people there, that question is immediately dismissed because, verse 27, but we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So they believe that the Christ uh, wouldn't be known. So that was their understanding that the Christ, the true Christ, wouldn't be known until he appeared. And Jesus like, didn't meet that criterion, right? Because they know Jesus' family, what town he was raised in, and so on. Verse 28, so Jesus proclaimed, as he taught in the temple. You know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So Jesus responds to their thinking by saying, I come from the Father, and you do not know him. 
So now obviously what he's saying here is very offensive to the Jews, causing them to want to arrest Jesus. Jesus basically says, you know, you know me, you know where I come from, but, right? That's what he said. You know me, you know where I come from, but. You know me, but you don't really know me. You see, the Jews prided themselves on knowing God because they were the people of God, right? No, no one else were the people of God. They were the people of God, the chosen people, the people who received the law of God. But you see, the law, the law of God was about Jesus. The entire law was pointing to Jesus. And Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. So when the Jews don't recognize the incarnation of the word of God, it shows that they really didn't know God. They really didn't understand the law of God that was pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I come from the Father, and you do not know him. Just as a quick application to this, it's just... The direct application for us is that the Word of God should point us to Jesus Christ. Do we see Jesus when we go to His Word? When I open the Scriptures and read the verses, is it pointing me to Jesus? I mean, I just thought of this, this one example. We looked at this passage a few weeks ago from Philippians chapter 3, right? It's a famous passage that Paul writes about um, knowing Christ. Philippians 3, 7, Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, right, because that worth is so great, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God. That depends on faith. Now, this passage obviously is a very, very uh, heavily application-oriented passage, right? Talking about how much he wants to personally know Christ and everything that he's given up to know Christ and so on. So we can read this in our quiet times and we can walk away with that passion, right? That zeal, that enthusiasm, that determination that says, I want to be like this. But again, the word of God should point us to Jesus. So, so rather than the effect of this passage being, I want to be passionate like this, the question that we should ask ourselves is, what about Jesus causes Paul to feel this way? Because if we don't answer that question, then our passion, like the passion that we get by having this blessing quiet time out of this passage, might last for a time, right? Again, we're constantly reading the Bible like this, that, that enthusiasm and determination might last us like maybe all through our college years when everyone else is like that, maybe five years after college. But eventually, emotion without truth cannot be sustained. So in a passage like this, we zone in on the words that say the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Because that's talking about 
who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us. Not having a righteousness of my own, Paul says. But a righteousness from God that depends on faith, that comes through Jesus Christ. So the word of God should point us to Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying to these people. You think you know me, but you really don't. You think you know me, but will your faith persevere through the ups and downs of life? When the emotions fade and the community around you no longer exists. Will your faith be grounded in the truth and the person of Jesus Christ? Jesus comes from the Father. Secondly, Jesus going to the Father. Verse 30. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because the hour had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. The chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. So it seems like now more and more people are thinking Jesus might be the Christ and that does not sit right with the religious leaders. So they give the order to have Jesus arrested. But the arrest didn't happen because it says the Father's ordained hour had not yet come. No one could lay a hand on Jesus until it was the proper time. But now, um, after having said this, now John connects their desire to arrest Jesus and kill Jesus. John connects that to this next thought in verse 33, in what Jesus says next. Verse 33, then, then Jesus said, I will be with you a little, little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, where I am you cannot come. So John connects that thought, right, of the, the religious leaders wanting to arrest Jesus with Jesus now saying, I'm not going to be here much longer and you will not find me. In other words, the Father's ordained hour will eventually come and at that hour, the religious leaders will succeed in arresting and killing Jesus. But that's only because their evil plan coincides with God's plan for Jesus to return to the Father. The cross. The cross was God's ordained way through which Jesus would return to the Father. Jesus will accomplish God's salvation plan on behalf of sinners through his death on the cross. And that will happen simultaneously as people come to arrest Jesus and crucify Jesus on the cross. And so what that means is his death would not be the end, but the very pathway to glory with the Father. Jesus will return to the Father. Now what's interesting is that what Jesus says here it's very similar to what Jesus will say later in, in John chapter 14 to his disciples. Um, but it's a little different. Later on, when his beloved disciples, because they're going to be sad when that time comes, when Jesus will no longer be with them, in John chapter 14, Jesus uses these words to reassure them, to comfort them. He promises 
to send the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm going to depart. I'm going to return to the Father. You will no longer see me. You will no, I will no longer be with you, but he promises the Holy Spirit. So similar words. But here, it's different because I think the application is different. Jesus says, I will be with you a little longer, and then you will seek me and you will not find me. Remember, Jesus is now speaking not to his beloved disciples, but he's speaking to doubters, people who want to kill him. And to them he says, a time will come when you won't be able to find me even if you seek me. And that implies that now is the time to seek and find Jesus. I think what he's doing here is giving a warning that they have to seize this opportunity to recognize who Jesus is. Um, I've had conversations with people over the you know, course of my ministry, uh, people who sat directly across the table from me and said things like, um, I'm happy. People who, who said things like, I'm happy with my life, where my life is at right now. Um, people who said things like, I don't really feel the need to uh, surrender my life to Jesus um, and to seek after Jesus right now. And... Um, I mean, I say it like that because like, some people had the boldness to say that out loud. But I think if we're really honest, I think many people really feel like that. Probably even people who come to church on a weekly basis. Um, I'm happy with like, where I'm at, like, where it seems like my life is going. And I don't know, like, if, you're, if I'm really being honest, I don't know if I want to surrender, surrender this right now to, to God. But you see, that's a, that's a scary place to be because Jesus seems to be saying here that there is a time and a window. And at some point when that window closes, um, whether it's persistent rebellion or whether it's just death from this world when that window closes you will seek me and you will not find me and where I am you cannot come Jesus going to the Father thirdly Jesus will send the Spirit verse 37 on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up and cried out if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this is the end of the Feast of Booths or also called the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and this feast was celebrated to remember the, the, the provision, God's provision, God's protection over the Israelites during the 40 years in the wilderness. And a part of this, this the, the, their testimony in the wilderness, a part of that testimony was God providing water in the wilderness uh, through the rock. 
So this feast, the, tab, the Feast of Tabernacles, contained water-drawing rituals. Okay? Um, and in the people's understanding, that ritual was related to the pouring of the Spirit in the last days. And that's the connection that Jesus is, is using here. Jesus is saying, all of that you're anticipating through this ceremony, right? as you're pouring out water and as you're celebrating and remembering God in the wilderness and all that you're anticipating through this ceremony will happen, he says, when you come to me. Right? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This reminds us of the words that Jesus spoke to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. John 4, 14, Jesus says, But whoever drinks of this water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So, so think about this. The water from Jesus, right? come to me, come to Jesus, the water from Jesus will become in him, he says, a spring of water, welling up water, spring of water welling up to eternal life. Or here in this passage, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So it seems like Jesus, talk, Jesus is talking about some sort of like a, a never-ending source, right? Like come to me. You're in me, you experience me, you have a relationship with me, you're truly connected to me. Um, some sort of a, a never-ending source of uh, spirit-empowered, I mean spirit-imparted things, right? Things like joy, life, power, blessings. A never-ending source, an endless flowing river of things that can come only through the Holy Spirit. So, you know, like, I, I think this is a good thing to ask ourselves. Is this true of my life? You know? Like, is this true in my life? Do rivers of living water flow from my heart because I believe in Jesus? And then, you know, like we might answer different things to that question. Does a spring of waters like swell up because of Jesus Christ in my heart? Um, I was thinking this, like we're so quick. I think people are so quick to give up on, on church on Christianity. And we've seen a lot of that in this past year, especially during the pandemic. We're so quick to give up on Jesus. Because, you know, like, um, hours and hours of video games, and the pleasure of it is, like, so much more satisfying. Time with uh, other people who know me and understand me and make me feel a certain way is so much more fulfilling. And it could be a number of different things. 
that we're so reasons that we're so quick to give up on on church and Christianity and 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 be distant from God, not realizing that there's so much more that we have yet to uncover and experience in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, is that really true of me? Like the 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 rivers. The river is flowing from my heart because of Jesus. And, and I experience it, but then I'm thinking, no, the, the, it's just not good enough for me. The pleasures of this world is just better in my evaluation. And is that why we're walking away? The well, the spring of water that's welling up to eternal life, it's just not quite what I expected. And so I'm going to take a break from Jesus. You see, there's so much more, so much that we've yet to uncover in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, let him come to me. Thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me will experience rivers of living water. Jesus comes from the Father, he's going to the Father. He'll send the Spirit. Lastly, fourthly, lastly, the people. Think about the people's decision about Jesus. People's decision about Jesus. Verse 40. When they heard these things, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Of course, Jesus was from the line of David. Of course, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But Nazareth was his childhood home. So people see him as a Galilean. So the indecision, the doubt continues. Verse 43 says, So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. So what do you do now? Like, What do you do with Jesus? The people had different, differing opinions. And because of that, there was division among the people over Jesus. Verse 45, The officers... Then came to the chief priests and Pharisees. These were the officers that, th that were sent to arrest Jesus. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. So remember, now there's a warrant out for Jesus' arrest, but Jesus wasn't arrested. And of course, we know that it's because the Father's ordained hour had not yet come. But in any case, he wasn't arrested. They were expecting him to be arrested. He wasn't arrested. So now these religious leaders are frustrated. And they demand an explanation from the officers who were supposed to do the arresting. And these officers' explanation is, we heard him and no one ever spoke like this man. And that, of course, is because 
Every word Jesus spoke was from the Father because Jesus was the revelation of God himself, the word of God. And his word had an impact at least to the point that these officers could not arrest him. Verse 47, the Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the, or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. So you see now the Pharisees have a really bad attitude. They say, you don't know, right? You don't know because you're not studied like we are. They're saying, you're, you're unlike us. We're the, we're the religious authorities and we know what's right. But in reality, we know that you don't have to be a studied academic or religious expert to know the gospel message. Paul would later on say that the gospel is foolishness to the wise. The gospel writers tell us that even the little children came to Jesus. So these religious leaders, these Pharisees had a problem. They were unwilling to hear Jesus because in their pride, they had to be right. It didn't really matter what Jesus had to say or what validations there were. They had to be right. They had to be the dictating authority. As an application, I would say, be aware, beware of people who think they know. Beware of people who think they know. And, you know, like, I guess the assumed application beyond that is don't be one of those people who think they know, right? Beware of people who passionately argue their point on social media. And I was, I was thinking about it like this. Why are there disagreements on difficult issues? Why are there disagreements in the first place on difficult issues? And there are a number of different issues that there are disagreements on, even among people who look into the Bible. It's because there are more than one ways, there's more than one way to look at the issue. It's because we don't have the mind of God to see all sides of the issue without bias. Because, see, because we see one side, or we see a couple sides, and we don't see the multitude of sides. Because we don't have the mind of God. So when those disagreements arise, we have to be humble enough to realize that this is what I think, this is what I think, but I could be wrong. My understanding could be lacking, probably is lacking. And that's why we have to be aware of people who are so passionate and arguing um, and is so angry against the other side. Because not only do they not know the whole of the issue, but they think they know what they don't know. So we have to be careful not to, not to be like that. And that's exactly what these Pharisees are, are like here concerning Jesus. Verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, who was, who was 
one of them, right, who's one of the Pharisees, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Verse 52, they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So now this is just pure anger and just frustration now. The Pharisees don't want to hear anything that opposes their view on Jesus. So when Nicodemus brings up a fair point, they immediately dismiss it, immediately shut him down. So it's clear that these Pharisees have their minds made up. There's nothing that's going to change their minds. There's no one that's going to change their minds. Uh, one final application before we finish. And uh, this is one final exhortation. And especially for those who will be leaving uh, campus, those of you that will be leaving CLC in the upcoming weeks, My exhortation to you is this. There are voices in the world. There are voices in the world that are actively at work to keep you from believing the truth of the Word of God. There are. There are voices in this world that are active, actively at work to, to destroy your faith, to keep you from your Faith of believing in the truth of the Word of God. So don't let those voices persuade you from your faith. Fight to keep your faith, no matter what those voices are saying. And, um, I mean, that's not an easy thing. Because many of you, like, you're so young... Right? And so that means like you have many, many years ahead of you, Lord willing. Right? That means like, I mean, life is short, but ironically, the journey is long. So that means all kinds of things will come in the course of your lives. Different things will happen. Will happen in your life and different things will happen in your heart. Right? Circumstances people around you, all kinds of things, different things, affecting your heart. And on top of that, Satan will be at work trying to destroy your faith. Over the course of your entire life, a long period of time, the journey is long. So don't let those voices persuade you from your faith. Those voices that are actively at work at every moment trying to destroy your faith. Fight to keep your faith. Remember in this passage, some people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Now, when did this happen? How did they come to the, that conclusion? Verse 40 says, when they heard these words, when they heard Jesus speaking, when the words that penetrated their hearts, the, that the officials heard those words and said, no one spoke like this before. 
When they heard these words, the people said, This really is a prophet. This is a Christ. So the final exhortation is to keep your eyes in the word of God. In, your, in the long journey ahead of you, keep your life, keep your eyes in the word of God. You know, when I was, um, when I was graduating college, when I was done with my, my campus church and, and I was moving on, like moving, packing my bags and moving on and leaving the church and so on, it was, you know, service like this, Sunday service. And, and back then it was kind of like more traditional. So after service, like everyone filed out and shook hands with the preacher. You see that in a lot of those old movies, you know, a lot of those Presbyterian churches, right? Like they shake hands with the preacher. Thank you for the word, pastor things like that and that's what we did in our church and after my last service uh I, you know i filed out just like everyone else and and saw my pastor and, and he and he knew that this was going to be my last sunday he knew that he wasn't going to see me for a long time uh, so you know most people he just shook hands and things like that and and that was it but then he he stared me into my eyes and uh he had misty eyes <laughs> Because, you know, I'm so lovable and he's going to miss me. Okay. He had missed the eye and he said to me, keep your eyes in scripture. Final words. Because that's, that's the key. That's the key to this journey. Life is short, but the journey is long. How can you overcome all the trials and temptations and all the crazy things that Satan will do, that you will do, that other people will do, that this world will do to destroy your faith. Keep your eyes in the Word of God. Let's pray together. All kinds of people in the crowd, they're in the temple with various perspectives on Jesus Christ. I guess that's the case in almost any crowd that you go to. Different people have different opinions about who Jesus is and everyone's constantly asking the question, is he the Christ? And even as we sit here at church on a Sunday afternoon, deep in our hearts, we might be asking the question, is he really the Christ? Is he the one that's truly worth giving up my life for? Every time we look into the scriptures, we need to see Jesus because Jesus is revealed to us in the word of God. And the word of God is saying, now is the time to seek Jesus. Now is the time to make him your Lord. Now is the time to surrender all that you have so that you can experience the rivers of living water. Living water that, that wells up to eternal life. May that be the experience in our lives. Day after day, when we go to his word, as we commit ourselves to keep our eyes fixed on the word of God so that nothing in this world no matter what come way nothing will destroy my faith I commit myself to follow Jesus in all the days of my life let's pray together before we conclude our service Heavenly Father we join our hearts and we pray together for especially our students our undergrads graduates that are going through their studies and exams and finals and papers and projects and pray that you would empower them and help them to keep their eyes fixed on you 
draw near to you and receive strength that only you can provide for the task ahead. Pray especially for those that will be leaving in the upcoming weeks, um, whether for this or that reason. We pray that you would allow Christ to be rooted deeply in their hearts, that nothing would cause them to waver, no voice would dissuade them. Uh, be a lifelong journey to seek after Christ and please Christ as they experience the joy that comes from the river welling up to eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for your great faithfulness to us uh, in all circumstances. Um, help us to love you more, delight in the treasure of Christ, Help us to share that blessing with others. Use us to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to the people around us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this incredible, unchanging covenant love of the Father God, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.